Love it. Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to take us in with a uh, little bit of an intro, Dr. Afromo, and then we'll get started into some questions. Sounds good. Thank you. Absolutely. Hey, everybody. This is Kurt Cabana, and welcome to this week's episode of Pursuit for Purpose. As always, thank you to everybody who's joined live, and thank you to all that will listen to the recording. The outpouring of support continues to amaze me and brings me so much joy to my heart that people are getting value out of the discussions that we're having. Your messages and emails bring me so much gratitude. This week, we'll be discussing the mind of leaders and champions. Pursuit for Purpose brings the world's most passionate athletes and coaches together in a collaborative environment just like this to encourage our goals and aspirations. You know, providing the, the teachings and the principles of the greatest minds before us, the people around us will start to receive the foundations to build the rest of their lives and become champions of character. Now, this week, we're joined by Dr. Jim Afromo. It is a special treat, guys, to be joined by somebody with so much experience with high-level athletes of all sports. And I know that in this conversation, it, it can make us all better in different areas of our respective sports and in life. Dr. Afromo is a renowned sports psychologist and a mental skills coach. He's the founder of Good to Goal, the leading coaching and consulting practice. He's a prolific author with some great books such as The Champion's Mind and The Leader's Mind, to name a few. He's worked with athletes from the MLB, the NBA, WNBA, NFL, NHL, PGA, LPGA, UFC, and the Olympics. He was the uh, staff mental coach for two international Olympic teams. He was a senior staff member with uh, counseling services and sports medicine at Arizona State, and he was a peak performance coordinator with San Francisco Giants. Please welcome me and joining Dr. Jim Afromo. Dr. Afromo, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much, Kurt. Looking forward to a fun combo. Uh, as am I, as am I. I really appreciate you, you taking your time with us today. And, and let's just jump right into it. Do Dr. Afromo, tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought uh, about the mentality of the gold medal mind. You bet. So I grew up uh, in the days before specialization in sports and uh, played a bunch of different sports growing up. And, you know, personally, I noticed that the difference between my own best performances and my own worst performances you know, really had nothing to do with, you know, necessarily being bigger, stronger, or faster from one game to the next. It was really, you know, really had everything to do with my own mental performance. And, um, you know, as, as, as we all know, uh, MLB Hall of Famer Yogi Berra liked to joke that sport is 90% mental and the other half is physical. And so I would always ask questions. I was always curious, you know, about what was going on between the ears, you know, what was going on between above the neck. And, you know, I'd see it with myself and my teammates, you know, when we performed our best versus our worst. And I never got great answers. And so, you know, it'd be like, well, you get nervous before you perform. Well, just relax. <laughs> you know, that's probably the worst advice you could give, uh, you know, instead of like, you know, uh, ride that adrenaline, you know, enjoy that. That's a that's the best performance enhancing drug there is. And it's uh, it's free and it's legal. So, um, you know, or how to deal with slumps, you know, how to deal with setbacks, uh, how to overcome a loss, you know, and, and, and use it as a stepping stone versus a stumbling block. And so always been fascinated by the mental game of sports, but I didn't really think there was you know, much on there or couldn't find much, you know, in terms of the field. And, you know, the field was pretty small at the time. But uh, so I studied uh, psychology at University of Oregon and then started becoming more and more familiar with the field of sports psychology and realizing that it was a discipline. So I studied at uh, sports psychology and counseling at Michigan State University. And what a great experience being around so many great coaches and so many great student athletes. And, you know, that's really where I cut my teeth, learned a lot. And, you know, it's been a joyride ever since. 
that's awesome to hear and awesome how you got to discover it for yourself that it was it was a need that needed to be you know brought to the surface and something that you watched and searched for answers but it wasn't always there that, that's really interesting that that it happens at, at what point did the did the gold medal mind come to life well see that's the thing is you know so uh you know kind of going back to when when i became interested in the field you know i think the conventional wisdom for the most part was you know you're either born with confidence or you're not you're either born you know really you know able to focus really well or not um you know uh composure all those kind of things and so um that's when i started you know the more i investigated the more i you know read uh great you know interviews with champions um, you know, it became crystal clear to me that no one truly is born with it. You know, there's no such thing as a champion's mind, uh, you know, gene <laughs> that, you know, you're either born with or not. And, uh, and so we might not be, you know, necessarily as tall as, you know, our favorite basketball player or as strong as our, you know, favorite football player, but there's nothing preventing all of us from learning to think, feel, and act like a champion and, you know, be a champion in our own pursuit. So that really got me excited that we could all learn uh, to be a champion between the ears. And, you know, that's really what sports is all about for the most part is, you know, if you can't win on the inside, good luck winning on the outside. And so we got to win those inner battles first, you know, and it could be, you know, again, doubts or distractions or, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, anxiety. So that that's what fascinates me is, is kind of the, the game within the game and, and winning that six, you know, winning on that six inch uh, arena between the ears. I love it. I love it, especially because I just spent some time talking to my hitters today about, you know, stress, arousal and anxiety and trying to help themselves set some some composure and uh, optimal performance standards for themselves of getting prepared. So, I mean, it, I just love to hear that. And, you know, with you having worked with athletes at the highest levels of almost all sports, you know, what's something that premier athletes share in common when it comes to the mental side of the game? Well, definitely characteristics of the best of the best include, you know, a lot of C words. <laughs> so uh, first one is commitment. Uh, you know, being a champion really is a lifestyle, and not a hobby. And you know, I love Willie Mays' quote where he said, uh, you know, being good from time, you know, time to time is, you know, you know, that's OK. But can you really be good every day? And, you know, that requires both feet in. That requires a commitment to excellence. And. Uh, Vince Lombardi talked about that as well, that, you know, it, basically your life is, you know, the quality of your life is, you know, uh, relates to the the level of commitment to excellence in your life. And so, you know, to me, it all starts and ends with with commitment. Uh, confidence is another important characteristic. Um, you know, champions believe in themselves to an unbelievable level. And I would say that self-doubt is our toughest opponent, whereas self-trust is, is truly our greatest weapon. Um, so again, we got to believe in ourselves to an unbelievable level. Concentration, champions are able to focus on the right thing at the right time, and we could all learn how to be better at that. We might not be able to focus on the right thing at the right time all the time, but the closer we can get to most of the time, if not you know real close to all the time, uh, we're going to improve at everything that we do. Uh, composure, as you mentioned, you know, champions have cool heads in hot games, and so you know that's controlling our anxiety, but also anger and other emotions. Uh, competitiveness. Uh, champions want to be the absolute best they can be, but, you know, they also want to be the last one standing. So I want to be my best, but I also want to be your best. And so, um, you know, they love getting in the mix and, and, and uh, you know, this guy's trying to beat my, my head in and I'm trying to beat his head in. And, you know, let's make each other better through that. But, um, 
you know, the thrill of the, the chase and the competition is what drives a lot of these athletes. And then finally, character. Um, you know, champions strive to be a good person, a good teammate, and a good leader, both on and off the field. And that's becoming more and more important. A lot of professional teams are looking at character uh, as much or, you know, more than talent these days. There isn't enough lead in my pencil to try to write down everything amazing that you just said right there. I mean, you, 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 that was a dominating answer of just everything, everything from just being a champion is, is just a lifestyle to just all of the different C words that you mentioned. That was so amazing to hear those, those different commonalities between these players and you know, what they do. And, and I, I just have to agree with you as well, too, as an athlete and that I still treat myself as an athlete, even as I'm a coach as a, you know, and a competitor that self-doubt is, is our toughest opponent. Uh, what, what are some tools that you, that you try to help these premier athletes with getting over self-doubt? Yeah. Well, number one is to realize that it's normal to have doubts on occasion. Um, if not, <laughs> you know, before the big game and, um, and, and that's how our brain is wired. You know, we all have a negativity bias and, you know, I wish I knew that a long time ago, but uh, we have about, you know, the estimates vary, but, you know, 40, 60, 80,000 thoughts per day. And, you know, the exact number doesn't matter. It's just that we have a lot of thoughts We're we're kind of in the, in our left brain all day thinking and, and having conversations with ourselves. And, 80% of that, about 80% of that is either negative or just repetitive. And uh, so being aware of that, I think is important. And then, uh, you know, that's where self-talk, positive self-talk or effective self-talk comes into play where, um, you know, I like to say that champions don't listen to themselves because again, you know, most of our thoughts that pop up are going to be negative. Uh, so champions don't listen to themselves. They talk to themselves. And so, you know, that's where you got to tell yourself, like, you know, catch yourself doing the stinking thinking of, you know, I can't do this, this sucks, you know, this is too hard. And, and, and you got to out talk that you got to say, uh, you know, uh, you know, stay in, the, you know, stay in the game, focus, there's plenty, of, you know, there's plenty of game left, stay positive, you know, whatever helps you to get back on a positive track. Um, and then there's, a, you know, obviously a lot of exercises as well. Uh, you know, writing down your top 10 list of your of your highlights, I think is really important. Uh, too often, we think about all the bad things that we've done in our sport and and kind of give short shrift to all the good things. Um, and those really show us a glimpse of our true potential. And so we should be focused more on those things. Um, and then, you know, uh, just being able to um, give yourself a little positive reinforcement when you do something well, I think is important. So, and you know, when you, when you make a good player, have a good game, uh, you know, tell yourself, that's like me, that's what I do. I do that all the time. And then, you know, if you mess up or make a mistake, I think it's really important not to beat yourself up, even though we all have a tendency to do that if we have big goals and aspirations, but rather say, you know, Hey, uh, just need a small, you know, correction or, you know, a, a small adjustment. I could get that turned around and then I'll be even better. Uh, I'm I'm just enjoying myself too much already, uh, Dr. Afremo. <laughs> but uh, that, I, I, I appreciate you being here big time. And, and you mentioned self-talk. And self-talk is something that that I hold dear to my heart. And uh, you know, as I'm learning more about this field and diving into getting to not feel crazy because these things mm -hmm. are being reaffirmed that it's like, whoa, these natural feelings that come across your mind, there's scientific research and everything behind this stuff. You know, how does our internal self-talk, you know, improving that how does it help our external physical results when we compete that's yeah, a great question because you know it's kind of a uh you know everything starts from what we think and what we say to ourselves um you know and the beliefs that we have and 
what that does is, you know, your thinking affects your feelings, you know, or emotions, and then your thinking and your feelings affect your body. So, you know, whether you get tense or whether you're loose, and then all of that affects your execution. So a lot of times we focus more mostly on the execution because we could see it, we could measure it. But um, a lot of times it, you know, you got to go all the way back, you know, follow the breadcrumbs to uh, what were you thinking there? You know, were you in a good state of mind? Were you in a good state of mood? Were you relaxed or were you tense? And, you know, if, if the answer is no, then let's, you know, let's, let's not jump in and start fixing the mechanics. Let's really fix what you were saying to yourself. Um, and so that's, you know, I, I think that is so important. If you're not in a good frame of mind, lo lots of luck with the rest of it. So um, thoughts are really where we need to start. And, um, and, and that's the beautiful thing about the mental game is we can absolutely change the way we think, we can absolutely change the way we feel, and we can absolutely change the way that we perform. And so we could perform much better and at a higher and more consistent level. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a little speechless right now for myself because it's I feel like uh, yeah there's all these people in the room but you're, you're talking straight to my heart right now so I appreciate everything that you're you're sharing you've had a long great career for yourself and you've had all this experience with these athletes what's your purpose yeah I love that question because a lot of times we ask what's what's your goal and <laughs> you know and uh, and, you know, or, and, and, you know, that's important to know, know where you're going, but you know, what, what is your purpose really? And, uh, so I love that question. And, you know, I would say that my professional purpose is to do my absolute best in helping others to truly live a gold medal life. And rather than settling for silver or bronze by playing small or holding back, um, which, you know, is, is somewhat of human, you know, can be of human nature in terms of, uh, I don't think that, you know, we're designed uh, necessarily to be successful. I think we're designed to be safe, <laughs> you know, and to be secure. And so, um, but, but once you get your basic needs met, that kind of hierarchy of needs met, um, you know, the sky's really the limit, you know, why not go for greatness and, and um, take healthy risks and, and live your life to the fullest. And, so, it, you know, I, I love the saying, you know, think gold and never settle for silver or bronze, but, you know, it's really not about the metal. It, you know, that's just a metaphor. It's really about being vitally involved in your life, doing the things that are fun, you know, for you, doing the things that you're good at and, and doing the things that you find meaningful and hopefully also help make the world a better place. So that's my purpose. And then when I work with athletes and other performers, you know, uh, it, it, it's about empowerment. Um, you know, can you really, you know, uh, have developed that self-trust and, and confidence to accomplish what you want? Uh, it's about dignity. Uh, you know, what are your goals? Not what are my goals for you? Um, you know, I want to treat you like a valuable person. Um, and then I want you to be listened to and respected. And then, you know, it's about hopefully having an impact where, uh, man, this is making a really positive difference in my life. And uh, I'm more excited than ever to see the possible. I think that is an amazing professional purpose to have of, of what a strong statement to be able to say, helping others live a gold medal life. And I, I mean, it's got to be awesome to yourself to have, have gotten to where you've gotten. And now you've, you've gotten to a point where you get to look farther. Um, you know, what makes the champion's mind? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's, it's just being in the, in, in the greatest state of mind and mood that you could possibly 
possibly be in, especially when it counts the most. Um, you know, I like to joke that, um, you know, being world-class uh, at practice is, is good. I mean, you, you deliver practice and, and, you know, I love the attitude of uh, the, some of the champions that I've worked with is, you know, I, I refuse to leave practice until I'm a better player, you know, uh, than when I walked into practice. And so it's, you know, I, I'm going to get one day better today, you know, every day. And, but to me, it's, you know, what really is exciting is, can you do that when the whole world is watching? And, and that's really the fun part is, you know, when everything seems to be on the line, uh, that's when I perform my best. And, you know, and, and, and there's no better feeling than that. And so uh, to me as a champion is someone that, you know, uh, is comfortable in their own skin. You know, they, they, they love, uh, you know, they're living life kind of on their own terms in terms of what's most important to them. But, you know, th they feel really confident and, and, and focused and, you know, and, and poised when it matters most. That's awesome. I, I... I'm I'm just take, writing down so many things that I'm ready to take back to my guys and just try to sprinkle them in and, and help them out as much as they can because in a sport of baseball like I'm in, uh, you know we're we're built upon failure a little bit and and really it's built upon opportunity because with those opportunity you know with those shortcomings come the chance to to fix it and it, when you're batting 300. It, you get out seven out of 10 times, but if you don't handle the seven out of 10 the right way, you're not even going to get the three successful, uh, you know, uh, successful attempts that you're looking for. Can you talk about a couple of the, uh, the overcoming aspects of breaking like, you know, that, that professional barrier where some of these athletes get to a wall, so to speak in, but they know there's more inside of them, but they, they can't quite get there. Is there anything that you, any stories you have of any particular athletes, no names have to be mentioned, but that, that you've just helped people kind of break through that wall that they were holding themselves back from. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it, I do think that, you know, to some extent, uh, we all hold back a tiny bit in terms of, you know, man, what if I really put all of this, you know, everything I have into this and it doesn't work out. <laughs> so, um, but that's a beautiful thing about failure, like you're talking about. It's um, you know, it's temporary. It's it's time limited. It's uh, you know, it's it's specific to that one individual event, and it's never as scary as we think it's. Been. You know, a lot of times we you know we're, we're, we brace ourselves. We think that you know, if I screw up, it's the end of the world. And I love what you said. It's it's really just opens the door for more opportunities. You know, what did I learn? How can I get better? What can I do differently? Um, and then you know, during the game, you know, if if, if there's a if, you know, if I strike out the first at bat. Well, you know, my opportunity is to play great on defense, you know, or, um, you know, I, you know, my opportunity is to turn things around my next event. So, you know, focusing more on opportunities uh, than, than outcomes, I think, is important, uh, you know, especially past outcomes, because then we get angry or, or we give up. And, 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 but if we get too far ahead of ourselves, I think we get anxious and worried. Uh, so it's really about owning the moment, I think. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I can say one player for the Giants, uh, San Francisco Giants, uh, World Series champion, he had this, what I call uh, being psychotically optimistic. Um, and, you know, so he would, let's say he would strike out or, or making out his first at bat. You know, he'd come back in the dugout and go, man, I'm going to, you know, I can't wait to get that pitcher next at bat. And, you know, he's just so positive and, and, you know, just put that last at bat right behind him and, you know, was focused on what was next. And, you know, let's say the same thing happened again. The next at bat, well, he would come back in the dugout, you know, a couple of innings later, it happened again. He would come back in the dugout and go, man, I'm going to get that pitcher the next at bat, <laughs> my third at bat. And he would be like that the whole game. And then the, let's say that, you know, it happened again, his third at bat, fourth at bat, he would get a hit. 
And so that's what I love about the mental game because it's so easy to go the other direction where it's just like, you know, being pessimistic, which is, well, today's not my day. This is embarrassing, you know, take me out coach kind of deal. And he was, he would get almost more confident as the game went on uh, or after making a mistake. And that's what made him so dangerous. And so, um, you know, again, that's where he used his mind as a weapon, not a weakness. And so uh, staying psychotically optimistic during the game uh, helped to bring out his best. And no one after a game, when you really think about it, what's there to lose by thinking that way? Um, you know, you, no one after a game thinks, you know, I wish I was more negative. <laughs> you know, they think, you know, I wish I was more positive or, you know, I wish I got over that mistake quicker. Uh, wish I believed in myself a little bit more. So I think that's important. I think one of the things that holds us back with self positive self-talk is uh, we can be so hard on ourselves that saying things like, like I just mentioned, like my next at bat's going to be my best at bat and doing that after three bad at bats or, you know, three poor outcomes when you've gone to the plate, uh, sounds kind of corny, sounds kind of cheesy. And, you know, we're, we get a little too cynical about that stuff, but, um, but, you know, give it a try because it really does make a huge difference. The, the, uh, the best athletes I've been around are also the most positive athletes. And well, that, that, makes me think of the aspect of we talk a lot of these about things being contagious is having a positive mental attitude contagious absolutely i, I love that you said that i had a great conversation with dusty baker um we spent a few hours talking about the mental game but um i said dusty you know like you know what is most important you know in terms of baseball and you know he said concentration and, and relaxation he said you know if you're tense good luck you you know your physical skills aren't going to come out naturally and unrestrained and then you know if you're not focused um uh, you know lots of luck you're going to miss the important things during the game and, and you're not going to play your best but you know for him though uh he said, you know, also probably it's, it's, um, you know, being optimistic, like we talked about, he said his favorite quote um, is uh, by Luke Gathery, who was a, you know, an old timer, uh, Hall of Famer, uh, who said, if you want to, if you want to play lucky, you got to think lucky. And, uh, and, 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 and that's optimism, that's confidence, that's being positive. And, and Dusty said that he, he tries to manage that way too. So, you know, we're down to two runs Well, there's still four innings left or, um, you know, they just scored, they just had a big inning. Well, now it's our, our opportunity to have a big inning. Or, you know, they just hit the ball hard, you know, uh, give us a good bounce and let's throw them out. You know, like, so he's always thinking that way during a game. And I really think that that is contagious, like you said. Calm, confidence, all these positives are contagious. Uh, and then the negatives are contagious as well, being, you know, pessimistic and negative and those things. So the manager really does set the tone for the whole team. Uh, and then we need to take charge for us as individuals to try to set the tone for ourselves um, so that we stay in that state of mind no matter what. Perfect answer, because that leads my, to my question of how do the best leaders get the most out of their, their teams? Yeah, I, I think the best leaders, uh, you know, as we were just talking about, draw out the best in their people, you know, and maybe that which was dormant in them. Uh, so they can do much more than they even thought they were capable of doing, both you know on an individual performance level and then also as a team. Member. And um, you know they're able to do this, I think, through their expression of you know of having an exciting vision. You know, let's see what's possible. What you know, if this team could really uh, come together, you know, what what could we do um, um, that would be really special? That would be really exciting. And and you know, let's go make some noise doing that. Um, 
they do that through clear communication. Uh, they keep the lines of communication open. Um, they do it through role modeling excellence. And, um, and so they lead a little bit more by their example than their mouth, so to speak. Um, and they also do these things in such an authentic and caring way uh, that others really want to follow them. And, you know, you want to have a coach that, man, I would go through a brick wall for that coach. I would, I, I would run around, patch it up, and then go through it again, you know, because number one, coach cares about me as a person. You know, number two, coach, um, you know, uh, uh, I could trust coach and coach could trust me. Um, and and um, coach knows how to help me get better. And so, you know, when you got those going for you, um, I think, you know, players really do want to play for you and play hard and, and give their best. And so, um, you know, I think the best coaches are the ones where people really want to follow them. And, um, and then really, you know, it's pretty remarkable what could happen. Uh, the Giants, when they won three World Series in five years, were not the most talented team in the big leagues. Um, but they had special coaches and special players with special leadership and teamwork. Uh, so that's why they were able to accomplish something pretty remarkable. Yeah, uh, mentioning the Giants winning three World Series in five years hurts my Dodger fan heart. So, uh, <laughs> well, you, you're, yeah, you guys are doing pretty good. <laughs> it's it's been a fun little run, but even that, I mean, you're you're so right. Just about you know special special leaders. It it becomes a special group. And and do you have any uh, advice for any kind of different potential exercises that can bring groups together from more of a mindset than just even, uh, you know, playing their sport? Well, I mean, in terms of coaching real quick, uh, I think great questions for a coach to ask, um, you know, individual players and, you know, they could do this in private meetings or write it on an index card and give it to the coach would be, um, you know, what are two or three things um, you want me to know about you as a person? And then, you know, maybe what are two or three things you want me to know about you as a player that will help me, uh, to be the best coach I can be for you. I think, I think that's really powerful. Um, and also, you know, what, what do you want to know about me as a person, as a coach that will help you, um, you know, to, to understand me, um, and, 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 uh, so that you could feel comfortable around me or, you know, feel like, uh, you could trust me. So I, I think that's really important. Uh, exercise that what I've found is that, you know, the, a lot of times the best coaches, are the ones that like bringing up this stuff and talking about this stuff. Um, you know, let's talk about pressure instead of pretending it's not there. Let's talk about expectations. Let's talk about, um, you know, when we've all hit walls, what, you know, what do we do to get through those walls individually and collectively? Um, and then I do think that, you know, a good exercise for coaches is to share a little bit about, you know, their own, you know, off days and setbacks and those things when they were a player. Um, uh, because I think that that, uh, humanizes um, and showing some of that vulnerability really helps players to be a little bit more vulnerable and talking about those things as well. So it's good role modeling in that respect. And, um, you know, I, I think one of the concerns a lot of players have is, you know, you know, the coaches, you know, forget how hard this game is. And so when coaches could say, man, you know, let me tell you about, you know, one, you know, one game I had four errors or, you know, one game I did this, you know, it's, it's fun. It's funny. And, 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 and players can be vulnerable in return. And then that helps bring out the best in everyone. I, I love that aspect of you just talking about connecting more with your players about asking a couple of different questions about what they want you to know about them and and also what you know they want to know about you i mean i really do think that bridges that gap 
of, of a, more of an interpersonal relationship than it having to just feel like a, uh, a coach and a subordinate or a leader and a subordinate or anything like that. So I think that is an awesome thing and, and something that I have written down and circled actually just to make sure to, you know, to intentionally make these kids know that much more that, that we care about them and we're interested in them and as, as people and not just products that, that are yeah. out there. Um, I think I think that's so important. A lot of times, um, you know, because again, at the end of the day, coaches have a lot on their plate, and so it's easy to get, you know, uh, fall into the trap of, you know, uh, of performance, performance, performance. Which, you know, again, wins and losses it, it is important, and it always will be important. But how do we get those wins? And um, and that's really winning, not just, you know, it, it's it's winning the the hearts and minds of your players, and you know, just even occasionally, you know, tell me about your family. How's your family doing? Or you know, hey, good job. I saw that you did really well in this one class in school. Great job. Keep up the good work. Um, those things are really important. Another great question for coaches to ask their uh, their athletes is, you know, what do you think my expectations are for you? And and it's really clears up any misunderstandings. A lot of times players will just get stats back. <laughs> you, know, you want me to hit 300 or, you know, you want me to do this or that. And a lot of times coaches are like, yeah, that would be nice. But I also want you to run hard to first base or, you know, be more vocal on the field or, you know, pick up a teammate when they're down, those kind of things too. So I, I really love that. And, you know, in terms of misunderstandings, a lot of times, you know, coaches have come back to me and it's like, man, I'm surprised. This one player told me they love being coached hard. I always thought they, that's what they didn't want. Or another player might say, you know, coach, I love when you give me a pat on the back or, you know, tell me yes, or, you know, I believe in you or those kind of things. I never thought that player wanted to hear that stuff from me. So, you know, communication again is key. In this short time, I'm already feeling myself being a better coach. So I, I appreciate it a, a, a ton, Dr. Afromo. Um, where can an athlete use these learned mental skills in other areas of their life? Yeah, it's such an important question. That's what I've learned is um, I've been fortunate enough to learn this because I've been doing it for a while is that uh, high performance is high performance in everything. And so uh, confidence, concentration, composure, commitment, competitiveness, communication, all these things are important you know, in the classroom, uh, in the boardroom, uh, even in the training room. Uh, I love working with injured athletes because number one, uh, they can't use the excuse that, uh, hey, I don't have the time to work on my mental game. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, uh, so, uh, you know, I get plenty of time with them, but also, um, you know, a lot of athletes, we talk about, hey, how can you make rehab your new sport until you get your game back? And so if you're out with a, a moderate or a major injury, you know, visualize your injury healing and your body returning to normal. Or, you know, when you're watching your team practice, visualize yourself out on the field making plays, uh, you know, and, and working on those same drills. And so the ultimate is, you know, when you get your game back and you're on the field, um, you know, or on the court or, or in the pool, whatever, on, on the ice, um, you know, you could look back at your injury recovery time as time well spent rather than just feeling like it was time wasted. And so, you know, I love using the mental game to, uh, to, to help injured athletes get the most out of their rehab and recovery. And a lot of them have returned, you know, uh, better than ever. Um, and, you know, they wouldn't wish the injury on, on the worst enemy, but, uh, but how they use that time and what they did with that time um, made it a net positive rather than a net negative. But um, I, I also love hearing, um, you know, athletes say, man, this really helps in the classroom. You know, I, I, you know, like when I start getting a little distracted, my mind starts to drift. I just tell myself, be where your feet are, or, you know, um, uh, you know, um, uh, 
just you know uh you know or even confidence you know like uh you know instead of cat you know catching yourself saying this is too hard you know say hey this is a great challenge you know bring it on try me so um that's what's neat about these these are all life skills and 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 we could all learn and sharpen these life skills Look, I'd like to sit here and pretend that I had this all figured out when I was 18, and I can't even sit here and pretend that I got it figured out at 34. But one thing that I feel like I've been preaching more, to, uh, and I don't necessarily like the word to say that, but it, it just has come to the, the superior realization because I've put myself back into the academic world, into the challenging world of, of just trying to better myself to help others better themselves, but just trying to tell them that if we don't take these disciplines and these things that we learn about life from our sport back into our other more important areas of our life, like our education, our nutrition, our fitness, our family, then what is the point of why we're growing through these things? Um, does there, has there been a point in working with these different athletes that they seem to have aha moments that this correlates to real life? Yeah, I, I love, well, there, first of all, there's so many good mental skills and strategies, you know, there's self-talk, there's body language, there's pre-performance routines, there's meditation and mindfulness, which is becoming more and more popular, obviously, you know, different types of breathing techniques, visualization or mental imagery, gratitude exercises, performance journaling, relaxation training. So there's, you know, we have this amazing toolbox and, um, you know, I call them power tools. And so um, why wouldn't you want to learn and use these power tools? But yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's, uh, I love when I hear from athletes, um, you know, like, uh, they'll say things like, um, you know, I used to think that stuff was, wasn't that helpful, or, you know, I was just fooling myself or things like that. But when I really bought into it and said, you know what, again, it kind of goes back to that. Well, wait a minute. And I have one athlete that said, uh, professional athlete said, um, you know, when you said, what do I really have to lose by, by, you know, buying into this, um, you know, he, he said, you know what, I, I'm going to give, I'm going to give this my best shot. And so he started learning and using all this stuff. And he said, man, not only am I playing better, I'm enjoying myself really for the first time. And so he said, you know, uh, there was a period where he said, when I was a kid, I used to pray every day that it wouldn't rain so I could go play baseball the next day. <laughs> so, uh, and then he said, he got to a point where he would pray every day that it would rain the next day. So he didn't have to play baseball because he was just so stressed out with, you know, expectations and, and, and numbers and, and stats and all that. And, um, and so he said, when he kind of fell back in love with the mental game, he fell back in love with himself and, and the game itself. And so I, I love hearing stories like that because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, uh, this is true empowerment and kind of like you're saying, you know, if you're really not taking advantage of it for your sport, then, um, you know, why not? And, and you're not really empowering yourself. Um, and, and then if it helps in other areas of your life, and especially when you leave the game, you know, um, unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, we only get to borrow the sport. Um, we never get to own the sport. You know, the, there is a window for how long we could play our sport. And when you leave the game, it should be like, man, I'm so empowered with all these mental skills and strategies to really max out everything I do in life. And, and, and that shows that you did it the right way. I'm going to definitely be stealing. We only get to borrow the game. <laughs> that is uh, that is profound right there. Well, and, nope. Yeah. And just to interrupt that, I mean, uh, that that's gratitude. I think sometimes we get a sense of entitlement and that really kind of ruins everything. And, you know, we take it for granted that, you know, um, that, you know, oh, I could do this forever or have all the time in the world. 
And that's why I love that, you know, the window's closing, um, you know, what do you, you know, how good do you really want to be and how bad do you really want it? And, and so, you know, no matter how long you play, it, it's, it's, it's going to be a relatively short window compared to, you know, the, your entire lifespan. And so exactly right. You know, it's like, you know, let's try to make something special happen uh, because we truly don't own the game. We just get to borrow it. We've got a couple of questions that are, are some pretty good ones from a couple of guests that have sent some DMs for you. And, and I wanted to make sure to get to them. Um, but one of the ones that I want to start with was, what is the most common unspoken question that people tend to have when they first spend some time talking to you? Well, the, 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 you kind of, I think you used the crazy word er, earlier. It's like, am I crazy for thinking this? Am I crazy for feeling this? Am I crazy for, you know, uh, you know, uh, like, you know, maybe on game day wanting to uh, turn the car around and you know, go back home and get under the covers. Like, uh, it's amazing, you know, getting back to communication, how often we don't talk about a lot of these topics. And um and uh there's been so much stigma around the mental game and you know and you know obviously especially with mental health uh, sports psychology is a little sexier these days so it's kind of like yeah you know i'm working with someone and you know they're helping me to think my best and but um but but we're all dealing with something and so it when i was in you know the pro baseball world uh there are a couple of expressions i really love which is um uh, you know, ne never suffer alone uh, and always have a go-to person. And so I think that's really, really important. And then, you know, in terms of, you know, am I crazy or is there something wrong with me? I think we're at some level, we're all afraid that, you know, if I really took a deep look inside, I wouldn't like what, you know, what I would find. And I, the opposite is always true. There's so much goodness in all of us. And a lot of the stuff, you know, in terms of, you know, nerves or, you know, anxiety or, um, you know, feeling less than or, you know, or confidence taking a hit or, you know, those kind of things, perfectly normal, understandable, um, you know, and they also show good things about you. It shows that you care, shows that you want to do well, shows that, you know, that, that you have high standards and all those kind of things. So a lot of athletes will say, man, you know, like I could actually feel proud of some of these things that I was embarrassed about. But, you know, maybe I need to turn the dial down on them, but, you know, I don't have to get rid of them. I think performance anxiety is definitely one of those where uh, most athletes and performers that come to see me are like, you know, can you help me get rid of this <laughs> before games? I'm like, why would you want to get rid of a special feeling on a special day? You want that feeling. Let's see if we, you know, and again, it's that adage of, you know, we don't want to get rid of the butterflies. Those are beautiful, you know, like, but we just need to get them to fly in formation and, you'll play even better once you do that. Um, that's, you know, enjoy that rush, uh, embrace that rush, you know, and, and love that adrenaline. Um, you know, again, that's going to set, you're going to be able to set personal records by embracing that rush. So, um, yeah, a, a lot of times uh, athletes will say, man, I wish I, I came in a long time ago because it just, number one, it just feels good to talk. Number two, it feels good to realize that there's everything right with me. There's nothing wrong with me. And number three, you know, I could really turn this around um, and enjoy myself and perform better. Um, and that's a nice win-win. Now, you, talk, you talked earlier about, you know, there's still kind of being a little bit of a stigma behind everything. And I see this as almost in some way in the acting world of breaking the fourth wall. A lot of times mm -hmm. we try to grow in the dark 
And, mm-hmm. and I feel like sports psychology, positive psychology is really starting to bring to the forefront that we're all in this together. Um, what, what have you found in your experiences of that, of, of there being any truth to that? Yeah, that, that's such an important point is uh, all of us tend to feel like, you know, when it comes to anything that's, you know, above the neck or between the ears, you know, that, you know, the mental game or mental health that, well, I should be able to handle that on my own. And there's nothing else in our life that we that, that we'll think that way about. <laughs> we, we, you know, it's like we don't build our own cars. We don't teach our own classes. You know, we don't coach our own games. You know, like uh, it's OK to ask for help. And, and it's not it, it's to me, it's a sign of strength. Uh, and, and it's and it's such a positive that I want to be the best that I can be. Um, and let's team up with others and, and, and you know, surround myself with people that want to help me to bring out my best. And so. Um, to me, it's, it's, it's such a positive and, you know, we kind of have to get over that part where, well, I should be able to deal with this all on my own and have the, so it takes a lot of courage also to be able to say, you know what, I feel a little stuck here. I need some help. Um, and to me, that's a good, um, and so, you know, that's really, really important. Um, because, you know, afterward, you know, we just feel even more empowered. And then it's also good being a good role model too. to, you know, I've had athletes that, that, that will call me and say, yeah, my teammate mentioned uh, that you really helped him or her. Uh, I would like to meet with you as well. And, and what a nice thing that their teammate did, you know, instead of just keeping it a secret, say, yeah, I hit a wall too. Um, looks like you just hit one, um, you know, talk to Jim or whoever it is. Um, they can help as well. So um, yeah, I just love that. I definitely want to be respectful of your time. I know we're getting close to uh, to the end of everything, and I just got a couple more questions that I want to make sure that get out. And and one of them being from uh, from a parent, uh, and this might be a little bit more specific to a sport, but you know, how do you help with player self belief when uh, you know their eleven year old daughter's soccer is is burned out with the team? Yeah, I, well, one thing when it comes to to uh, team issues is. Um, you know, there could be clicks on the team or, you know, the, the team might um, not be as, you know, the, it, it might not be as a healthy of an environment as we would hope. And, you know, what I would challenge athletes to do is how would you want to act? You know, how would you want to be, um, you know, in the best of situations? And, you know, I'd be confident, I'd, uh, you know, I'd have good body language. I would say hi to everyone. You know, I would uh, I would give my, you know, uh, best effort. Um uh, you know, try to maintain a great attitude. Well, keep doing those things regardless of what's going on around. Um, that's within your control. And then that also shows some good leadership and teamwork that I'm at least being a good uh, uh, leader and role model by example. And, you know, if if maybe some of my teammates don't respect that or, you know, don't, don't like me, they're going to respect me, you know. So um, the thing is, is there's always going to be adversity. There's always going to be challenges. And so strive to be the bigger person in those situations and look at it as kind of a, you know, a learning opportunity that, you know, when I'm faced with other challenges, you know, maybe outside of sport, I kind of know how to handle it. Um, I think, you know, one little exercise I give for, for athletes is um, come up with some sort of imagery or, or you know, creative visualization around um, self-protection when you're in an environment that doesn't seem super, super healthy. So, you know, imagine putting on a suit of armor before you walk into you know, to practice or imagine surrounding yourself with this performance bubble uh, where only positives can get in and, and, and negatives can't get in. And, you know, things like that, especially for an 11 year old can be really, really helpful. Um, 
And then just, you know, in terms of, um, you know, what's going to make you happy uh, is giving your best. And so when your head hits the pillow at night, you want to be able to pass that pillow pillow test where, you know what, um, things might not have been perfect, you know, with my team or with my practice or with anything today, but I'm really proud that I, you know, that I gave it my absolute best and, um, and I can't wait to get after it again tomorrow. I'm definitely going to be using some of those Im imagery uh, tools that you had just talked about as far as suit of armor and performance bubble and trying to plant those seeds in a couple of my guys' minds that, that I just know they're, they're great athletes, but that's the area they're lacking the most right now is that self-confidence and that, that, you know, that bubble of protection of, of they're allowing too many outside sources uh, into everything. But I wanted to ask you uh Talk about your, your I, I've heard that you got a new book on, uh, on creative, uh, on creative folks. And, you know, if, is there any timeline do you have that when that might be complete? Uh, there's a listener's daughter that uh, made the cut, has a chapter in it, and uh, he's really excited to read it. That, that's right. So the, the new book out, I, I co-wrote with uh, an author, uh, uh, with my author, uh, co-author, uh, Phil White. Uh, it's called The Leader's Mind. And uh, so we interview coaches and, and other leaders in, in, in other performance domains. And uh, so that's just came out. And the next book is going to be called The Creator's Mind. And, you know, that's all about kind of sports psychology for performing artists, musicians, um, uh, you know, actors, actresses, uh, you know, all different types of creative folks. And, you know, again, high performance is high performance. So it's it's similar to the champion's mind, but with uh, examples and stories more from 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 creators. And so we're really excited about that. Hopefully uh, uh, by the end of this year or early next year, that book will come out. Now, can you tell us a little bit more about where to get any other things that you, you've done, any, uh, any places that you'd like them to go to as far as Amazon, your website, anything like that? Please tell us where we can get uh, a hold of the great work that you're putting out. Yep. So I'm on Twitter, at, as everyone knows, at, at Gold Metal Mine, uh, Instagram, Jim Afromo, um, on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, my website is um, goldmetalmine.net. So I love hearing from people and um, love talking about all these things. Um, and, you know, any way I can help uh, others, uh, you know, that's that's my purpose. I love it. I love it. And, and my last question that I got for you before I'm going to let you run here today, uh, Dr. Afromo, is what, what's something right now that anybody listening can do to start improving their mental approach to playing their sport? Yeah. So, you know, again, I'm psychotically optimistic, uh, at, uh, uh, but no matter how talented any of us are, we're, we're you know, in our sport or, or, you know, whatever performance domain, we're going to make mistakes. And so, to me, I think, you know, one of the things that we could all get better at is how to handle those mistakes. Um, and uh, so here are a few steps in terms of, you know, after making a mistake. Number one is radical acceptance of what just happened. The faster you can accept the mistake, the quicker you could, you know, get back to the present moment. Um, you know, if the, the, you know, as, as you know, we like to say that, you know, the, the most important pitch is, is the now pitch or the next pitch. Um, you know, the most important shot in golf is the next shot. So the faster you can accept a bad shot, uh, the better you can play the next shot. Um, versus most of us go through this mini grief process of, you know, denial. I can't believe that happened. Bargaining. I wish I could have that over again. Anger, you know, at ourselves or, or others. And then sadness. Well, I just, I, now I can't break 80 or now I just lost the game for us. Uh, and then finally acceptance. Well, let's just skip right to acceptance. It happened. It sucks. Let's move on. Um, so that's number one. Number two, when we make mistake is, um, 
most of us clench or tighten up after making a mistake. You know, we make a bad swing or a bad pitch, and all of a sudden we, you know, our shoulders tighten up or our, our jaw clenches. And so, uh, so accept it. Number one. Number two is release the tension. So know where you tend to hold that muscle tension. Um, and, um, and, you know, usually it's again, shoulders or, or, or your jaw. And so breathe into that. And then as you exhale, let go of that tension, uh, tension equals mistakes. So, uh, if you don't release that tension, you're going to make another mistake. And then, uh, the third step is, you know, again, is, uh, is, uh, you know, I love the acronym NBA, uh, and you could use that outside of basketball, but, uh, next best action. So just focus on making your next best action. And usually we try to make up for the mistake, you know, like I bogey the last hole. Now I got dirty in the next hole. And then we tend to, you know, try to play better than ourselves instead of staying within ourselves. And so, uh, what's my next best, best action while staying within myself instead of trying to make up for that last mistake, just let it go, move on. Um, and then, uh, you'll be back on, on, uh, solid ground. I hope any of the athletes on here and, and coaches as well, too, because look, we're going to make mistakes just as much as the athletes are. One thing that I love that my head coach tries to put on to uh, the players to make them understand is, guys, I'm going to make more mistakes than any of you. And, and I think that when we can all come to the same page of knowing that we're growing through this thing together, but we're all on the same team, then it, it's going to only help the ship go that much farther towards the destination that we're all working towards. And, Dr. Aframo, I'm really appreciative of, of your time today, and, and I wanted to give you a chance if you had anything else that you did want to share that I didn't ask or that, that's been sparked through your any of our discussions before I uh, got towards wrapping us up. No, I, I love it. Um, uh, what a fun topic. Thanks for being a great host. Um, you know, just maybe one more thing in terms of, you know, uh, 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 you know kind of a, a champion's mind approach to dealing with mistakes is, um, you know, really get back to good tempo. Um, uh, stay in your right brain. A lot of a lot of times after we make a mistake, we we start overthinking um, and we get too mechanical. Um, and so, um, really, just get back to seeing the ball. You know, getting back to those. Uh, you know, being brilliant with the basics. Um, watch the ball and 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 swing with good tempo. So, um, uh, tempo is key. You know, get rid of the tension, then get you know get uh, get back into good tempo. Uh, and you'll be surprised at um, what you could accomplish. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, just overall, uh, <clears throat> go for gold, you know, find what, what is gold in your life and, and look for the gold. You know, we could either hunt for gold or hunt for mud, <laughs> you know, and so, um, you know, find the gold in the mud. Uh, there's so much wonderful stuff out there. Um, so stay in love with yourself and stay in love with your craft. Love it. Love it. And guys, I'm going to take you out with a, a quote from Dr. Aframo in one in one of his books says, the mental abilities of confidence, concentration and composure are crucial for being a champion in everything you undertake, be it work or sports or both. And to me, guys, that's to, to succeed at the things that you give yourself to in this life, it's going to take training your mental capabilities just as much as the task at hand. I'm rooting for every, all of you guys and everything that you do. And I, and I thank you guys for being here with us tonight. And remember every champion was once a challenger and that's Luke Campbell. Appreciate everybody's time and, and especially appreciate your time and your wisdom today here, Dr. Dr. Afimo, uh, too appreciative of it. And I'm rooting for everything that you continue to pour into the people you get a chance to uh, bless as well. Thanks so much, Kurt. And thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we should do it again. Appreciate it. Yeah, I love that. Everyone listening.
I'd love that. Thank you guys. Take care. Have a good one. Bye now.